Okay, welcome back to This Is Me. I am with Erin, who works with my uh, business partner, Brandon, with the Grace and Grit Boxes. The moment I said that I wanted to do podcasts, Erin jumped on board. But she is here today to interview Heather Stark. (laughs) Heather Stark. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to talk about me. And I'm already sweaty under my arms. (laughs) So So if you haven't had a chance to meet Heather... (laughs) You don't know that she so easily gets sweaty because anytime there is even the mention of the spotlight going on, Heather, she begins to retract, which is kind of awesome piece of your personality. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's okay. But what's also awesome is the equally opposite end of that where when you get on a stage and it's just like, I got something to say and it's all going to get said and you're all just going to listen and like it. <laughs> Um, You're going to like it. And you are going to like it. But I think it's because it comes from a place of passion. It's authentic, right? And yes. we've, um, you and I both listened to the communication piece around um, one of the things is that whenever you can sort of like witness to something, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's your authentic thing. Like it, if you're talking about this object outside of you, it just comes off kind of as, as fake and really contrived. But I think this is so so woven into the fabric of who you are and you're so passionate about it and it's the lifeblood of like what you do every day that you just kind of need a moment and here you go, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And I have so much fun brainstorming with you and sitting in the floor (laughs) and (laughs) putting cards on the wall and really thinking through like what is, what are you inspired about? What do you want to talk about? What do you, what do you feel like is important to be said? Okay, now how are we going to structure how you say that? And I don't ever want anything to come Across is perfect. I love messy clean. Messy clean. Messy but clean. (laughs) Messy but clean. Yeah. So one of the things that I got so excited about is I knew of Grace Lee Strong. I knew about Grace and Grit, worked on Grace and Grit, felt like those were important, cool things um, that I wanted to be part of and involved with and sort of have a helpful hand in. But when you said you wanted to open up the conversation, you had more to say. Mm -hmm. Like, I've got more to say more to say than, than really these spaces allow. So how do we do that? I get really excited about it. So my question to you is, what, what was that feeling? What was that? What was your more to say? Um, wow, we're going to get emotional from the get-go. <laughs> when I decided to stop my traditional line of work, you know, your traditional nine-to-five, and get into the business of empowering females. I kept talking to girls about owning who you are. Have grace for yourself. Um, It takes a lot of strength. Be proud of, of your mistakes and be proud of the highs and the lows. Just, oh my gosh, love yourself. Love, 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 love. And I realized I was preaching it so loudly so I did not have to go inward to myself. I will say that I have overcome a lot of self-hatred and a lot of self-rejection. But that final piece of becoming truly vulnerable and truly having grace meant that I had to be honest with those that I am preaching to about my story. And I was not comfortable doing it in a let's sit down and let's start when I was 10. And so the only way that made sense 
was to do it to where I could have other women get something out of it, take a piece of it, and where I felt like I was, in a sense, and I I don't want this to come across as egotistical, um, but in a sense, comforting them. Um, Because I've always said, I am nobody special. And so if these things have happened to me, then they can happen to anyone. So part of this is being honest with who I am and coming clean with my story in bits and pieces and using it to connect with others. Part of this is, you know, if I'm asking girls to be vulnerable with themselves and love themselves, then I have to be vulnerable out there in the world. And I don't ever want to um, present a false self. And growing up, I lived in pretend perfection all my life till about my mid-30s when I almost ended my life. And it was several months afterwards. When that happened, I buried it down really deep. I didn't even tell my husband because I could not be that sick. I could not be that person. And it was several months later that... I would kind of just think about it a little bit and then it stayed dug down. But it was when I, it was my last year being a school counselor when I was preparing to quit that that morning that I almost ended my life started coming up. And I was so embarrassed because if people knew that I was that mentally ill, they would not want to have anything to do with me. They would not want to buy my product, um, let me work with those with their girls. And then it started to dawn on me, who else has had that thought? I just want to end it. I just want some sweet release. And then instantly embarrassed. Or who else suffers from anxiety or depression and is embarrassed by it? Who else, when their daughter does something like um, not eat everything on their plate, goes into panic mode because you think they're developing anorexia. And so by sharing my story and becoming vulnerable and getting other women, mom or not mom, to be able to become vulnerable and identify, there is um, a changing of the community. And that will trickle down to our daughters where they really will get the beauty and the importance of grace and grit and strength. So you have to you have to do the thing that you're scared the most to do. You know? And yeah. So that's what this is. It's the thing that I'm scared the most. I can talk about anything and everything else, but my own personal story. I can do little hints and pieces of it, but the the finite details of it. Um, and some things you do keep to yourself. Some things that you're like, I, I just, I, I cannot. And, and that is fine. But still acknowledging that it happened. You know, so that's what this is. It's the acknowledgement that we all have stories. And um, I've written that your struggles don't define you, but they do shape you. And I just feel it's it's important. It is so important to empower ourselves and to connect. So did you feel that welling up a little bit in the middle of this year when you were 
thinking about like, like I guess I have more to say. Is that was yeah. it welling up again? It in was. A different way? It was. It was welling up. It just. I mean, I you know when there's something you're supposed to do, God, the universe will make damn sure you do it. And so there were there were things that have happened this year that I just. Um, I'm like, well, I can't, I just can't go on and just swallow things down. I talk about authenticity and being vulnerable. You know, I can't be that person that expects everybody else to share their story. And I'm going to be like, yes, yes, it's so good that you are sharing, please. And I think a lot of my um, awkwardness when the spotlight is on me, it's like, oh, because part of me knows I'm not being totally honest with everybody. So I'll say, uh, yeah, I'm comfortable with who I am. But then if the spotlight's on you, are you really comfortable with who you are? Because you're fixing to project it <laughs> to the masses, you know, to whoever it is watching or listening. Somebody, I have a friend that's a psychotherapist that is one of the craziest people that I know in all the best ways. Mm-hmm. Um, he's lived fully. But he said something to me not very long ago. I asked him the question because I read, I, I've been working with him on some messaging about himself. And he withheld a lot. He held a lot back. So I got on the phone with him and I said, first, our first conversation was like, no, you put it out there because that's what makes you interesting. That's mm-hmm. what validates you, right? Mm-hmm. That's what validates, like you've got perspective. You didn't just go to school and learn this stuff and start applying it. Like you've lived so much of it. Mm-hmm. But why didn't you share it all? I asked him, like, why didn't you put it out there blatantly? And he said, because only so much of it is helpful. Mm-hmm. There's only so much that you can share that's helpful before you've kind of passed the point and it's just a distraction. And that was really helpful to me mm-hmm. to hear because it almost answered for a little bit like, why don't, why I'm not, I have no shame about any of my story, nothing like that. I don't share it a lot because I feel like it probably makes other people uncomfortable and they don't know how to react, like whatever, you know. So it's, it's more for them than it is for me. But it put a different language to it. It's like it's, there's only so much of it that's helpful. So for you, I'm wondering, do you feel like, you share just as much as is helpful. Mm-hmm. And is that what you want others to do? I want others to share um, within the boundaries that they set up for themselves, you know. Um, and I think it, for others, like the, there, there is just this like natural like flow inside of you and this comfort zone and, you know, you've reached it. You know, I want mm-hmm. them to just be very relaxed. I, I've reached the boundary and I'm going to stop now. Um, so for me, no, I am not yet. I have not shared all that I'm willing to share. You know, if somebody sat down and said, so, you know, tell me why you act like this in this situation, you know, okay. I, you know, at that point I can share, but like, there are some things that I, I haven't found the platform to share that, you know, assault things or, you know, things along those lines that I haven't, like, I don't know where that platform is. And so until it just floats around. So until I find that platform, that will be something that I hold back. Um, but the, the, the anorexia, the bulimia, the depression, the anxiety, um, that I think is a very appropriate platform for me to share, appropriate um, story of mine to share in this platform, because it has to do with not being empowered and not feeling confident and just really doubting who I was and feeling a victim of my life instead of the person in charge of my life. 
And so putting on this facade of perfection, which, you know, eventually just leads to your downfall. And do you feel like you were trained in a way or encouraged toward perfection? Yes. From a variety of, of different things. One, I'm 41, so born in the late 70s. So women were, were just now, were just when I was born, starting to enter a workforce, but still dealing with, you know, if I'm going to enter the workforce, then I've got to take away all my emotion and make sure I look the part, you know, show no emotional weakness or anything like that. There, there was that in the background. Raised to put your best foot forward all the time. And that strength was not, not showing faults, not messing up. It's just, you just need to do it. You just need to do it because that's the expectation. There wasn't like an inner expectation, but those around you. Respect for others is, you know, making sure everything is in its place. Respect for others is making sure you are dressed appropriately and you act appropriately. It's what you can, your value came from what you can do for others. Mm. You still have some of that in you and how much you give. I do. And how much you're not willing to receive. That's what I was just going to say. It is so hard for me to accept the graciousness of others and the things from others, which, you know, we've experienced because. I know, it drives me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Because. Value was what you can do for others. Such an important attribute is your willingness to give to others. But equally important, sometimes, is your ability to receive, right? Right. It can be offensive if you don't receive with grace. Yeah, because sometimes it is a gift to the other person to be able to help. Mm -hmm. You know, they enjoy it. They, Mm -hmm. They feel a sense of value or of contribution by being able to give. Because imagine like if all the people that you've ever given to throughout your life, because that's what you're supposed to do, if they didn't let you give. Yeah. It's hard. It is. And and I don't have the right to take that away. You know, I don't. I don't. But I sure am going to try. <laughs> <laughs> the last three years of your life are very different than the prior yeah. 30 years of your life. Yes. And in that time, you have a daughter that's growing at an age that is probably the most, is within the phase, the window that we are our most vulnerable. Yeah. How do you feel like the shift in you is starting to affect her or or how do you hope it affects her? She's, and she turns 16. So, I mean, like I've said, I've said to you before, she is now in the meat of it. <laughs> Everything, mm, you know, has just her. been appetizers <laughs> now. It's the meat. I check in with her. I think she's a little starting to get a little annoyed with it because our life has changed dramatically. You know, before I was there all the time. You know, I was a school counselor. She went to school with me. We were on the same schedule. Um, I was able to go to all of her school functions. And now I have, in essence, two jobs. And my husband is um, self employed as well. And so and his job is is way more flexible than mine. And so he's usually there at her games, picking her up, taking her to practice um, to help with algebra. Well, even if I was home, I still wouldn't be helping with algebra. <laughs> but so I do. I check in with her, you know, and we just sold our house so that I can chase another dream, financially chase another dream. I mean, 
before doing this, I would not in my wildest dream thought to uproot my family and sell my home so I can have that house payment and apply it to something else. I mean, I probably would have been so judgmental that I've been like, moms that do that are selfish, you know? So I check in with her. I keep saying that. I check in with her. And she's like, mom, you do things that none of my other friends' moms do. It's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. Um, I, I hope she thinks that way when she looks up in the stands and I'm not sitting there, you know, at a game. Um, and it's not, I make it sound like I'm never there at a game. I do attend her games, but there are the, there are the odd games that I don't attend. And there are, you know, lots of moms. Usually it's the dads that don't always make the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very stere- stereotypical mm-hmm. still. So she does. She does say, you're doing things that other moms aren't doing. And she's even, you know, helped in my two jobs. You know, I've, I've needed an assistant to um, help with one of the summer programs for Gracefully Strong. And then I've needed, you know, at the trade shows, um, her to help mm-hmm. with the boxes. So I'm able to bring her in and make her a part of that. There are some times where there'll be a look in her eye when I'm like, well, I'll be home. Like right now, right now they're downtown um, looking at the Christmas tree. She is coming away with right now at this moment. She understands it. She understands what I'm doing. She understands why. She does not know my full story. She knows She knows about the eating disorder. Um, she does not know about almost ending my life. She'll hear this podcast, obviously, <laughs> and hear that that's a conversation that I'll have to have with her. Or, you know, that when I was in high school, I was assaulted. She doesn't know those things, but she knows enough about who I was as a teenager and how I don't want any other girl to feel that way. And I don't want women to feel that way. So she gets that there's a bigger picture out there. She understands a lot of your why. She does. She really does. There's layers of it that she might not be ready for yet. It's kind of back to other things that we've talked about, which is how much and when and why do you share, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's interesting we touch on mom not being present um, and dad being there, which I think is is a cool thing in a way, right? Yes. No matter how much time you have on your hands, you don't have all the time. So Mm. part of your story, and I think part of so many stories, is the guilt of the trade-off. Right. And how you deal with the guilt of the Mm trade-off. And we're getting a little granular at the moment because we're going down a whole good two-hour conversation, right? but for you, and as it relates to this effort that you're putting into this mission mm-hmm. for all of your businesses and kind of the time and finances r- related to it, how do you feel like that trade how do you settle that trade off like where where do you find your balance in that because you, you don't ever do it all and feel great about it all no. that's impossible no but there's a there's a level of balance you come to strive for and accept I feel like mm-hmm. that's my perspective anyway how do you what is that for you that's a great question. And it's not something that I think you can sit on a Sunday evening and go, okay, this is going to be my schedule for the week so I can find balance. It really and truly is a moment-to-moment thing. So um, a little disclosure, my daughter has been in recovery for a year and a month. 
from a concussion. And so it's one of those things where, like she texts today, I don't feel well, you know? And so then the husband and I are like, okay, what are you doing? What am I doing? And so it's those little moments who can go and get her. Um, Today was not the day that I could go and get her, but two days ago, I was able to go and get her. So, you know, looking at, I always look at it as something has to give, you know, what is going to be the thing that gives. So there's little moments in that where it's almost a day-to-day thing where um, I realize, oh my goodness, it's 11 o'clock. I don't have something for an hour and a half. I could go and pick up lunch and meet my son for lunch. It's little things like that. I will say in all of that, Fridays um, have very organically developed into lighter days for me. And so I know that I will always be able to connect with the kiddos and the husband. So Fridays have always held some kind of sacred spot and Sunday mornings. I mean, nobody really ever plans anything on a Sunday morning. So it's really the balance is just in the day to day things, working out of the home, mom, and then working on my child, mom, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and growing a husband, right? Because your marriage is always there. I feel like that's what ends up taking the first backseat. You, you're correct in that. And that's, that's a whole nother, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. It is. There's a lot of them we have. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. That's the first thing that goes in the backseat. Like, yeah, yeah, you'll be there. You're fine. You're fine. Which is a really great thing. And then you're, you know, two weeks, you're like, have we even had more than a five minute conversation? Oh, so something happened one time. This is off topic. I went to a yoga class Mm -hmm. and she started out with making everybody stare at each other's eyes without saying anything for two minutes. Like you, it was somebody that you don't even know. And then that was interesting enough because what happens is not like looking at the other person whole bunch of stuff starts processing in your own head. And she said, I want you to go home and do that with your other half, with your spouse. Oh, my gosh. I didn't do it. (laughs) But the point being, the simplest thing in the world is so hard to do because of all the emotion that it brings up. Oh, my gosh, what's there? You know? Yeah. It's it To me, it's like the ultimate exposure of neglect. Mm. I like the way you said that. Ultimate, ultimate ex- of exposure of yeah. neglect. Yeah. It is, though. It is. Oh. It's like, it I see you. And oh my gosh, I'm seeing you, but I'm seeing me. Oh my gosh, I'm not sufficient. I'm right. not. I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. Right. It's really hard. It's really, really hard. So what are you, what are you hoping with stepping out mm-hmm. in front of and outside of things to really broaden this conversation? What do you want it to do? I want it to free women, free them from the not enough, to realize you are not alone in this, to realize that we have got to connect and work together on this and stop the ugliness that makes it even harder for people to share their stories and to examine, to make sure my daughter continues this understanding of vulnerability and there's a bigger picture. Um, You had mentioned that you want your daughter to understand the why of people. And I just think that that is the starting block of changing 
the way we interact as communities, you know, um, and it does, you know, I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times, empowerment. Empowerment is a social process um, and the community has to get on board with that. In examining my story and in my um, struggle with the balance and the mom and the marriage, with the um, workplace environment that I'm setting up, with the women that I employ, I'm like, you are a woman first. You know, if you have to bring your baby to work, then bring her to bring him to this office. You know, just it that shapes the way I am as a leader. Um, so those are the things. Those are the things that I want this podcast, this new venture to do is just free women from the heaviness of not enough. That's a big, that's a big old thing. It starts by removing blocks. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a global conversation, a community conversation. And, and it does. It starts by understanding maybe why we don't feel like we're enough, mm-hmm. you know. I'm interested to see too some of the other, the, the, um, explorations that we'll have the opportunity to do in other cultures and mm-hmm. other experiences that people are bringing in that are wildly different. Yes. Yeah. From our own. Yeah. Um, Cause it's one thing to have a conversation about the community that we know and the experiences that we all can to some extent share. It's a whole different beast to think about how different life is for others that are not part of our world, right. our bubble. Um, in the U.S. or, you know, what it looks like abroad. But what I'm really interested about is how that shapes us too. Like how does that affect your soul, the perspective it gives you? Um, It's very interesting. It's it's hard to not want to run out and fix it all. Mm -hmm. So what else do you – but I do do have another question. I want to know beyond just podcasts, like Mm -hmm. what else – how do you want this – what all kinds of outlets do you want? How do you envision – this blossoming and coming to life in sort of an open blank space. I uh, would love to get in front of women and talk, you know, um, I am comfortable speaking. And so doing, you know, and I have done that. I do that very well in front of uh, girls, teenagers, you know, there's, there's, there's books, there's, you know, maybe even starting communities of women, getting them together and talking which I know that that is popping up more and more, but, you know, just really kind of driving that, the holding in, you know, just really driving towards that. Um, and I think that there's, if we stay open-minded enough, there's other things that we have not yet thought of where this, this, um, this drive to have this conversation can lead us. It will be fun. There's a whole lot ahead. I hope that in five years you're looking back going, that was so small. That was so small. <laughs> Look at everything. Look at what we did. We have T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> T-shirts. <laughs> no, I'm glad. It's going to be fun.